Why are we here? I hope we're not here because it's an obligation. I hope the reason why you're here is because you're seeing a bigger vision that we can do something about the world around us. We all rise and let's read scriptures. Let's read this together because this is the Great Commission. And we have been speaking about this over and over again. And I hope that as you are here, and as you become the church, you will understand what this, this passage is all about. Let's read this together, shall we? And Jesus came up. Father, we just want to thank you for this place. God, we just want to thank you for bringing us here. And our prayer, Lord, is that we just don't come here because we have to be here as an obligation. But rather, Lord, we're here because we will know who we are. And if we know who we are, we will know what we will be and what we will do precisely make that happen today, oh God. Don't allow us to leave this place the same. Make us be the church, the right church, the healthy church that will make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Be the church, the Great Commission church, the intimate with God church, not just any church, but the living in the presence of God church. I hope you're beginning to get it because for the last five months we've been talking about intimacy with God, walking in the presence of God. For what reason? For all of us to be the right church. Because if we are the right church, we will make a difference. And church is not going to be boring. It's going to be exciting because we can make a difference. Last week, we had a privilege of Pastor Peter coming over. And this place was packed. And look at, look, at, look at us today. This place is packed again. Okay, It's not about Pastor Peter. It's about Jesus, right? And you know, he talked to us about practicing God's presence. And he shared with us the, the, the great Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. And I thought of using this as a jumping board to what I would want to share with you today. And um, I just want to go through it again so that you will have an idea of how, how powerful this, this, this psalm is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Wow. Put, look at those in yellow, okay? Meditate on those. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Wow. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art my, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
And then, verse 6, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know with you, but this verse is all about intimacy with God, right? Can you imagine, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, it's like, you cannot escape God. God is going to be with you whether you like it or not if He is your shepherd. Is that an amen? And intimacy with God, uh, you know, try to get used to the word IWG, okay, because we will use this a lot until the rest of the year probably, intimacy with God. And also living in His presence, IHP, in His presence. And, you know, uh, for the past four weeks, we have been emphasizing what it means to be living in the presence of God. And the passage that I always use is that of Moses and God. In Exodus 33, you know, here is Moses desiring to have God always at his side. And, you know, he was so makulit. What is makulit in English? Huh? Maku, right? Right. He was so stubborn, right? And God finally said, okay, okay, okay. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. The whole world is so restless. You agree? The whole world is fighting for almost everything worthless. And God said, hey, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And then Moses continued, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not sure you understand, Lord. I want more, right? Okay, what do you want? He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. How then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by going... You're going with us that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people of the earth. What is, what, is, what is Moses trying to tell God? As if God doesn't know it. You know, hey God, if you're with us, you know what? People will know that we are favored. People will know that we are rested. People will know that we're distinguished. And we will attract people to you. That's what it means. And that's why... You know, presence of God is all about restedness. Are you rested? Or are you restless? You know, if you're rested, you know you're provided for. You're not going to be worrying about lunch because we have lunch after this. You won't be worrying about, you know, the pressures of the world or people will harm you because you are protected by God. That's restedness. And that's what it means to be a shepherd, or rather to be a sheep of the shepherd. And you know what will make that, what, what, will, what, what I like about this? It will make you distinguished. Not so much because you want to be distinguished as reverend or something like that, or yabang, or uh, sorry, sorry, uh, what's yabang? Boastful. Not so much that, but rather so that you can be so Attractive in the face of the world that people would want to become like you. That's the meaning of being distinguished. This morning I want to talk about simply be disciples. Say that to each other. Be disciples. But not just disciples, okay? I want you to become sheep disciples. Okay? Sheep disciples. You understand what I'm saying? Be sheep disciples. 
That's why CCF is all about discipleship. Why are you laughing? You know, somebody said, you know, CCF is full of corny pastors, okay? But you know what? In spite of us, God is amazing. You know, in spite of us, God is doing something. CCF LA is all about discipleship. Alright? Ship disciples, whether you like it or not, are rested. I like that. They are provided for, they're protected from, and therefore they are distinguished. Would you like to be ship disciples then? Absolutely. Contrast that to this typical successful man who has it all figured out. I can't, I can't remember the last time I didn't come through. Yeah! I'm an amazing person, really. People like me. Especially the chicks. Fear? Fear is for the weak. Scared? 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm not scared, of, scared of anything. You give me any task and I will deliver on a dime, in time, and under budget, baby. Of all the people in the world, I think I rank pretty high. Got the looks? Got the brains, got all the right moves, and I drive a hot car. Look, you tell them I've been down that street, and it's called Loser Lane. I remember just last week, I gave a report on our company strategy for the coming year. I was awesome. Awesome. Knocked it out of the park. So, if you need anything, you come to the man where everything goes as planned, and failing, failing, failing is not an option. I'm scared of failing. Failing. I'm scared of failing. I'm scared of failing. I'm scared of failing. He sounded like he was so collected, right? He was bragging and everything. But you know what? Deep inside, if you can really read through, he was afraid of failing. How many of the people in the world out there are like that? Are you like that? Don't raise your hand. What I have good news for you. We simply need to become sheep disciples and we will be rested. We will be distinguished. The question is, are you a sheep? Ouch. Are you a sheep? Are you his disciples? Are you his sheep disciples? Ask yourself that question. Because if you're not, you'd be like that guy in the video. Has it all collected, but, you know, he's actually afraid of failing. What will make you a sheep? A real sheep disciple? Well, in John 10, 27 to 28, there lies the answer. If you want to know if you really are the sheep of the great shepherd, then answer this question. Are you this sheep? My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. The sheep disciples are saved. The sheep disciples have eternal life. But you know what? The proof of your salvation is not that you know it, but rather that you do it. If you hear the voice of God, do you follow it? Do you hear his voice? If you don't hear his voice, then 
I'm not sure. Maybe it's time to ask yourself the question, am I fishy? If I paraphrase that, it's like this. God's true ship obey and follow him. Why? Because God is pleased with him because that is faithfulness. You know, if you come to counsel with me, I keep telling you that my favorite verse is found in Romans 1.17. The righteous will live by faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. If we claim to be Christians, if we claim to be people who follow Jesus, then we have no choice except to live by faith. Meaning what? You hear his voice and you follow him, even if it doesn't make sense to you at that point. Then you are a sheep disciple if that's the case. The sheep disciples are the committed followers of Christ. The sheep disciples are really those people who would really give their lives to obey and follow Jesus. My question this morning to you is, are you a disciple? Are you a sheep disciple? If you're not, then be one. Not just disciples, but be sheep disciples. Here's the problem. And here's where it gets touchy. While obedient, there's a problem with the sheep. And that's the reason why many of you probably will not want to become one. You know why? Because they are sitting duck, helpless animals. You agree? You know, they are prone to attacks and they don't know what to do. They make a lot of mistakes. And Pastor Danny, you want me to be like them? Well, I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He's the great shepherd and we are supposed to be the sheep disciples. But how do you reconcile that with sheep being sitting duck, helpless animals? Does that mean that the followers of Jesus should be sitting duck disciples or helpless, sitting duck helpless as well? My answer to you is yes and no. I repeat, my answer to you is yes and no. Why do I say that? Sitting duck helpless from the point of view of the world. Sitting duck helpless even for you, the disciples yourselves. But you know what? Not so with God. In the eyes of God, you will be faithful. In the eyes of God, you will be very, very faithful. What do I mean? You're not making sense, Pastor Dan. Let me explain. You know, I believe that here lies the problem. If we ask you to become disciples, especially sheep disciples at that, you know, you'd say, yeah, I'd want to. But the moment you see the conditions of being one, you'd say, hmm, maybe not. Uh, 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 maybe not, okay? Well, let, let's, let me show you an example, okay? Some examples of sitting duck situations for the sheep that may even sound down for, down for many. Okay, for instance, if you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Christ, and I tell you, this is God's voice telling you, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. You like that? Um, Francisco, I'd like you to be a disciple. Huh? But, you know, if Tony slaps you, okay, can you turn the other cheek? 
Can you do that? Isn't that being sitting duck helpless? Like people can punch at you and even abuse you just because you need to be a disciple? Are you with me? You know, if they sue you, give you a coat. You know, it's the best time for me to remove because it's so hot here. <laughs> huh? Pastor Desmond, uh, Pastor, uh, can you please fix the aircon? So hot. Whew. Okay. Luke 6.27 But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Do you like that, Henry? Huh? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. This guy is already persecuting me at work. You still want me to bring a cake? And say, hi, good morning. I love you. Come on. You're making yourself what? Vulnerable. People will abuse you and you're sitting helpless. That's why many people don't like to become disciples. But in the eyes of God, you're not. In the eyes of God, you're super faithful. Mark my word. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, this is for you. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, readiness to die for the wife. Pastor Peter gave this last week, right? You know, you husbands are supposed to be ready to die for your wife. Just don't wait for your wife to say, die, die. (laughs) You know, I remember remember a preacher. He was telling a, a man, he said, love your husband, or rather, your wife. Love your wife. Sorry, yeah. No. Love your wife. And then um, the, the, the man said, but I don't love her anymore. You know, you, you have to love her. But I don't love her anymore. Okay, let's have a compromise. Why don't you love her as a sister in Christ? And the man said, I'm not even sure if, if, if she's a Christian. Amen. And then, the, and then the, the pastor said, okay, okay. Why don't you love her as your neighbor. I don't want to be her neighbor. Okay. <laughs> okay then, okay then, okay. Then love her as your enemy. He kept quiet. God makes us do something hard. In the face of the world, it's stupidity and it's even dumb. But in the eyes of God, it's faithfulness. Because you give God a chance to prove who he is and what he can be for you. Ephesians 5.24 But as Christ, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their husbands in everything. <laughs> wives, be subject to your husbands in everything. That's the, come on. My husband? Nah, come on. Right? I mean, why are you... (laughs) Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Up to 70 times, Peter asked. Jesus told him, I do not not say to you up to seven seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I mean, to be a disciple, to be a sheep disciple, you are asked to be sitting back helpless to expose yourself, to keep on forgiving people who may keep on abusing you. Will you keep on doing that? If you are not really the sheep, you'd say, no, that's not for me. I I don't have to be a part of that. I don't believe in what you guys are saying. But 
But as the church is subject to Christ, so wives also ought subject to be subject to their husbands. Then Peter came up. Sorry, I finished this already. And then you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with some weaker vessel, since he is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Huh? Okay. And here I am telling you, okay, Tony, I want you to be my disciple. I will disciple you, but you have to do this, okay? Okay? You have to live with your wife in an understanding way as some weaker vessel, as some weaker, someone weaker, since she is a woman. Are you willing to do that? You know, I remember of a man, a Christian from CCFLA, and he is practicing this intimacy with God, uh, presence of God practice, and he was sitting on a beach and he was just like meditating on God. Okay? You will know who this person is as I go through the story, okay? Those of you who have been with us for a long time. So he was praying, Lord, Lord, I, I want to be intimate with you, but can you please give me one wish? And give me one wish that, that, that you can fulfill. And then the Lord said, okay, I'll give you one wish. Okay? Just one wish. And then um, he said, um, Lord, can you build a bridge to Cebu so I can drive over anytime I want to? Remember, he's in California, okay? And then God said, are you out of your mind? Cebu, this is California. Do you know how much it takes to, to build a bridge? How many, how many tons of steel and cement to build, able to build a bridge? And you know what? Besides, your wish is so materialistic. Your wish is so worldly. Why don't you come up with something more pleasing to me? Something more spiritual. Okay, so this man... Forgot about that that uh, that wish, and you know he said, "Lord, I wish that I could understand women. I want to know what they feel inside, what they're thinking when they give me the silent treatment, and when they cry, what they mean when they say nothing, and how I can make a woman truly happy." Okay, and you know what God said? How many lengths do you want on that bridge, Simon? <laughs> I will even extend it to Davao, if you like. Okay. You gotta be kidding me. Even God sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, nothing is impossible with God. But you know, if you treat your wife in an understanding way, believe me, he will come through and he will ans- start answering your prayers. Many of us don't even go to that part where we want to do something difficult because... We're not sure whether God will come up and meet us at our expectations, right? But you know, God is faithful. He will always be there to answer your questions. Take a look at this again. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. What? Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. That's what it will require to be a sheep disciple. Is it easy? No. God is saying, forget about yourself. And the world is saying, be yourself. Be number one. Get everything that you can. Because this world is against you and you have to be number one. But God says, no. Forget about yourself. Look out for the interests of others. Isn't that sitting back helpless? In the eyes of the world, yes. In the eyes of God, it is faithful. Your choice. Rejoice always. In everything, give thanks. 
For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I just lost my job. My wife is leaving me. You want me to rejoice and give thanks? Oh yeah. That's what God is saying in everything. That will distinguish you from being what? A true disciple from a fake disciple who wants it easy all the time. There was this woman who, who went to a farm. And he saw, he saw his friend. And they went to the backyard. And he saw, she saw this pig walking. Enrique. Walking. Okay, just kidding. With a wooden, wooden leg. Okay, he said, uh, what's with that pig? He has a wooden leg. And then the, the farmer friend said, oh, you know, oh, Betsy, she's very special. She called the pig Betsy. You know, one night, you know, the, 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 the barn just, just caught fire. And then Betsy oinked so loud that Betsy woke us up. And we called the fireman and we saved the barn. See, this Betsy is very special. That's not the only the case. You know, one time my daughter fell into the pond and Betsy oinked so hard that we, 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 we saved Betsy. Oh, wow, that's good. Betsy's special, huh? But I still don't understand. What's with the wooden leg? Okay, he said, oh, Betsy's so special, uh, we cannot eat her all at once. So we take <laughs> eat her. Many people, many people do not, they, they understand gratefulness. But you know, <laughs> they're grateful to the pig, but they will still eat the pig, huh? Something like that. Anyway, I hope you get the point. That's why disciples, unlike sheep, are made. They're not born. You know, when, when God saved you, you didn't become a sheep right away. No. Or your disciple right away. That's why he gave the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples. You know, because God knows. Sheep are born, but disciples are made. And that's why here at CCF, we are committed to make disciples. Jesus gave the Great Commission, and it's all about following that Great Commission. Discipleship. As corny as it is. That's us. That's CCF. We are committed to make you sheep disciples. Disciples who will look sitting back helpless in the face of the world and even as you look at yourself but in the eyes of God, faithful to become rested and to make a difference. Making disciples pleases God to the core. It's at the very heart of God. It's at the very heart of God and it is living in His presence and being intimate with God. Disciple making is an intentional long process. It begins when a believer begins to believe in that Bible study that he attended and it will continue on for the longest time. Many Christians today think that after the first Bible study, they heard, uh, what do you call that? Jimmy, what, what is his name? The great evangelist? Okay. No, 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 there's another one. Um, Billy Graham, okay? And then they say they accept Jimmy Swaggart. They accept Christ. They they accept Christ and then they go home and they forget about it. You know, what happens to them? They never grow up. And they think that they go home believing that they're Christians, but actually they're not. Because you know what? Disciples are made. They're not born. 
And this morning, I'd like to ask some people to share with us, you know, what disciple did to their life, discipleship did to, the, to their lives. I'd like to call on Mike Yao first. Mike, come in. As Mike is coming up, he is getting married. He's going to Manila. Okay. But, you know, Mike uh, will share with us how discipleship helped him in his walk. Good morning, everyone. My name is morning. My name is Mike Yao. Um, when I saw how God transformed the life of my own father, I knew that God is real and powerful. I wanted to know God more, so I joined the youth ministry where in the church that we were that we used to go, and eventually accepted the Lord as my Savior in April 1994 when I was only 12 years old. But like most teens. In a Christian family, my walk with Christ is dependent on my parents' walk with Christ. Their testimonies became, became part of my testimony. I was just going with the flow of my parents' growth with the Lord. I knew that I was saved and that I have a God, but I was already fine with that. Throughout high school in the Philippines and college in Canada, I would go to church every Sunday with my family. But during the week, I would be exposed to smoking, excessive drinking, and sexually immoral sins. When my family moved to Canada in 2000, I coped with the challenges of a new country and a new culture by trusting myself. I would only seek God during trials in my life. And uh, my relationship with Jesus Christ was on and off. I realized that I was only going through the motions of being a Christian. And my life was far from being Christ-like. In 2007, I decided to move to Los Angeles from Canada to pursue a master's degree in architecture and also to pursue my girlfriend. For the first time, I left home and lived on my own. It was especially, cha especially challenging as a Christian because I was exposed to temptation without anyone looking after me. I know the importance of God in my life, so I look for churches in the LA area where I can attend. For three years, I attended different churches and Bible studies, but did not find one that reinforced my walk with the Lord. I quickly realized that maturing in our faith does not only mean going to church or to weekly Bible studies. It meant having a deeper relationship with God and applying His Word in every aspect of our lives. In March 2011, through the website and through the recommendation of my cousin, Nikki, my girlfriend and I found CCFLA. I can still remember our first Sunday service, which was in East Wani in West Covina. We liked the singing, the message, the food, of course, and the intimacy of the group. Most of all, we noticed the joy and the peace that everyone seemed to have. We eventually joined the Bible Foundation uh, study taught by Pastor Danny and the Galatians class taught by Pastor Insong. When my girlfriend Christine and I got engaged, we began attending the Couples D group in West Covina. Although we were the youngest and the only unmarried couple in the group, we found out we have many things in common with the couples. It was comforting to know that marital issues, how difficult they may be, can, resolve, can be resolved through God alone. God confirmed our decision to get married. In August 2011, Christine decided to go back to the Philippines to spend time with her family before we get married and settle down here in L.A. 
and also to help in her dad's business. I had a peace in my heart when Christine left, but the pressures of renovating the house and the daily challenges at work tested my faith. In addition to these stresses, I was alone, again, exposed to temptations. I continued to attend the D group in West Covina, where I shared these struggles and where I got spiritual advice. Through the mentorship of the men in the group, I learned that peace and restedness only comes from an intimate relationship with God. More recently, I joined a D group of young men, of which I am the oldest. Uh, I honestly thought, because of my age and experience, that I can mentor these guys. But I was wrong. What they lack in years of experience, they make up with spiritual maturity and depth with their relationship with Jesus Christ. I I am encouraged with their honesty to correct my faults and their openness to be corrected in return. Through these guys, I learned that a real man should be humble enough before God to admit his mistakes, as it says in James 4.10. Of course, we do our accountability with a loving heart and uh, in a fun way. In January 2012, one of my New Year's resolutions to God was to set up a one-on-one accountability with Pastor Insong. But because of my busy schedule and my hesitation to open up and be ready for correction, our first meeting did not happen until three months after. I praise God that I made the decision to be discipled by Pastor Insong because he gives me advice that helps me make Christ-like decisions. I trust his insights because they are all based on the word of God. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 7, it says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Through Through discipleship, I can say that for the first time in my life that I am walking with the presence of God. God was already there with me as a kid during the dark times in our family, and he was already there when I was sinning during high school and college. It is only through humbling myself before him that I am a sinner, and through constant discipleship that I feel his presence more and more. On September 2, I will get married to Christine before our God and our family in Manila. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I know now for sure that God's presence will be there with us that day and for the rest of our days here on earth. Please pray that God will be glorified during our wedding ceremony where we will share the love of of our God and hope that many of our family and guests come to a personal relationship with Jesus. Would also like um, for you to pray for me so I could be a good testimony to my friends and family. This is to our God who never leaves us or nor forsakes us. Be all the glory. Wow. Baka, baka isipin nyo, isa lang disciple dito. Marami. I'll call on another one. Um, in America, it's called Gil. Okay. Sorry, I, I cannot read it from my iPhone, so 
I made a printout in big letters. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. My name is Hill or Gil? Hill Andrada. And I used to attend CCF Sukat many years ago. I won't tell you how many years ago was that. In spite of my previous acceptance of Christ, my spiritual life was stagnant and dry. I could say I was in my wilderness. I could also say that my Christian faith then was made was more of a head knowledge. It was more in the talk than in the application of the word. So it was not until my aunt, who is in LA, whom I considered to be my second mom, told me about CCF LA. So I began attending CCF LA in Pasadena. And in God's perfect timing, I was able to attend the ongoing series on the intimacy with God, which I was really searching for. I was so blessed in that series that little by little, God began to renew him, to reveal himself to me once more. With the grace of God, I could say now that I am no longer in my wilderness. It was also because of the patient and love of our beloved pastor, Danny and Pastor Insong. And the time that they spent with me through one-on-one meetings, that God's presence became a reality to me once more. God was no longer someone who was distant, who is distant. In those meetings, I have been reminded that God's presence and my intimacy with God is a vital component of my spiritual walk. If I cannot apply and practice this intimacy and His presence in my life now, I would be going back to my wilderness again. Secondly, God showed me that I really need to apply God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit and practice God's presence in my life. Pastor Danny always reminds me that truth does not change life. It's truth applied that changes lives. I know that there will be many challenges ahead as I pursue intimacy with God, but I trust in that in what God says in Ephesians 2, 8, and f- 2, uh, 8 to 9, that salvation is by grace and it is a gift from God. God has accepted me as is where he is, but God does not want me to remain as is where he is. God wants me to grow in my spiritual walk and intimacy with him now. He has given me the body of believers, our small D group meetings, midweek Bible studies, and the one-on-one accountability meetings to meet to help me to be conformed to the image and likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. I am taking small steps towards intimacy with God and have many struggles to overcome. My pride and my temper problem still comes to the surface. So I know I have a long way to go in my journey. But I also know that the presence of God is always with me because he promised in his in Hebrews 13:3 I'm sorry that he will never leave me nor forsake me. So I am not alone. So life without Christ is really pointless. And I will never 
trade back my old life for the intimacy with God that I am pursuing now. I give praise and glory to God. Thank you. Discipleship is a lifelong process. A person, after attending Bible study, like this shown in the picture, after the Bible study, they don't become, they don't become like St. Paul right away, do they? They don't become like Andy Stanley right away, do they? They don't become like these ladies right away, do they? You know, these, these ladies were, were processed for a long time. They had their own shares of tears, joy, defeat, victory, defeat, victory, learning. It's a process. That's why disciples are made, not born. And that's what we are all about here in CCF. Why should we make disciples besides just obeying God? I, I would like to end with this, just three points, three points which will be about an hour and a half, okay? Okay. You're seeing the big picture. But aside from, aside from just obeying God because God said make disciples, I would like you to see the practical benefits, okay? The practical benefits of why make disciples instead of just saying, okay, I will obey because God said so. No, there are practical benefits that I would like you to be aware of. So that by the end of this message, you would go and say, you know what? I like that. I'd like to be a disciple. I'd like to be a sheep disciple. Where can I begin? Where can I begin? Practical benefits to the new disciple, to the new believer. Practical benefits to the discipler, to the shepherd. Practical benefits to the church. Benefits to the new disciples. In Hebrews 5.12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of, of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. You know, this sounds like basic, but it's very important. You know, uh, how many of you have babies here? You know, uh, what's the name of your baby? Where, where is she? Chia. You know, when Chia was born, uh, how many months ago? Four months ago. Can you imagine when Chia was born and then they brought Chia at home, they put Chia on the floor and said, hey, Chia, this is your house, okay? The towels are there, okay? The kitchen is there, okay? And if you need help, okay, just say, hey, everybody, he will help you. But I will leave you there, okay? Will that be practical for Chia? No, because Chia is a baby. And babies need help. They need to be nurtured, right? And that's why it says here, when you become a new believer, don't say you've arrived. A new believer says what? They need milk, not solid food. And many Christians today are fumbling and falling all over the place. is because they have not been nurtured. They have not been taken care of in their initial baby Christianity. What is the need of the new Christian? Milk. And that's what we have to give them. The value of discipleship to the new believer is that they will be guided, be given milk. How many of you are attending the Biblical Foundation 1? Okay? Many of you, right? And haven't you noticed how basic and how, how fundamental it is and how helpful it is? And that's the reason why you wanted to bring new believers there because that is something that they need to understand because that's milk. Can you imagine if we started and taught you eschatology 
and taught you the book of Revelation and Christology and everything? Would you like that? Of course, you'll pretend to know it, but would you grow? I'm not sure. Maybe you will even walk out because the class is boring. Okay? Benefit to the new believer. Like a nursery. You don't give baby steak. Right? You give a baby milk. Because if you give the baby steak, the baby might just choke and even die. New believers need someone to give them guidance, help them grow. Like babies, they need some personal attention to get milk. That's the benefit to the believer. What about the benefit to the disciple? Okay, here in CCF, we would like you to become disciples. You make disciples. But you cannot make disciples until you yourself are a good disciple. Right? But once you have become a good disciple because you were fed, you're expected to become a discipler. Meaning, you'll find someone to, to help nurture and grow. And when you do that, believe me, there's benefit to you. And here are the benefits. You know, how many of you have, have been to Israel? Okay, so you know that in Israel there are two bodies of water. One is the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, which is very much alive, okay, and the other one is the Dead Sea, right? The, the Sea of Galilee looks vibrant. And in fact, there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of tilapia, okay? And you can actually go and eat tilapia there, okay? And you can, there's a lot of fishing activity going on. In contrast, there is the Dead Sea, okay? And it looked like that. You know why one is dead and the other one is alive? The Sea of Tiberias is alive is because there is a lot of outlets coming in and going out. Right? Meaning, as, 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 as they are fed, they are also giving feeding to other small rivers. That's why it's alive. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, is dead because it, is just keep, it just keeps absorbing and absorbing and absorbing and absorbing and there's no outlet. How many Christians have been like that all their life? They come to church, feed me, entertain me, sing to me. Okay, thank you. And I go home. You're laughing, but that's the condition of many churches today around the world. And that's the reason why we want to be different. You know, and if you find yourself here and God is nugging you, hey, this church is for you to do something in and not to be ministered to, period. Don't be like a Dead Sea. When you start to help other people grow, you will become the Sea of Tiberias. You will become alive and you will bring forth a lot of blessings like fish, like whatever things that the sea can give you as a blessing. Benefit to the discipler. Look at this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now I understood Now I understood why I had to go through all of those difficulties and trials myself. And now I understood why when Pastor Peter came and helped me as we, me and my wife were struggling. Hello, we struggled too, by the way. Okay? And we went through the valleys, by the way. But because Pastor Peter and the rest of the other older people in CCF were there, they guided us to where we should be. You know what? We were comforted. And because of the same comfort that God gave us through them, by leading us through the word, guess what? We're now able to comfort the likes of Hill and Tessa. 
the likes of Tony, you don't need that. You know, the likes of, you know, Romy and Susan, the people who have been with us and we're learning from one another. And here, my, even my classmate, Butch and Tess, okay, they can attest to that. For the, the kind of comfort that God has given us, we're giving to them because we've experienced it. And you know, he'll, one of these days, you'll have your disciples. And one of these days, he will have the same temper and the same problems as you have. And you will say, hey, kaya ni Gajan, look at me. But you cannot do that unless you yourself have been comforted by God. Mike, same thing goes for you. As you go older, you'll find someone younger than you and say, hey, I know better. Mike and Paula, same thing. As you grow, you will understand that God will allow you to go through things so that you yourself will benefit from it. Now, if you're not allowing yourself to help other people, sorry. Sorry. You're shortchanging yourself. And you're not going to grow. You might even be like the Dead Sea. By discipling others, the disciples become healthy, not dead, or stagnant in their faith. Not be dead seas. That's the benefit for the disciples. And now, this is what I'm excited about. And this is what I waited a long time to be able to share with you. The benefit to the church. The benefit to the church. Look at so many churches around you. In Europe, there are so many church buildings, right? What happened to them? They're all dead. They're all museums. Tourist attraction. Right? In America, it is soon becoming like that. You know why? Absence of discipleship. And if we can just see the difference, that if we can go ahead and see the benefit to the church, we will understand the value of discipleship. We live in a society where we are so entertainment-centered. Yes? We are so spectator-oriented centered, right? That's our society today. You better believe me, okay? Watch, we watch lots of TV, movies, and sporting events, right? You know, uh, it's now going to be the football season again, right? And we're going to be watching, and it's going to be exciting. And these are the people in the football field. You know, they are, they are, they are really, they are really slugging it out, and they are stressing and exercising, and they're doing a lot of uh, uh, games or plays. And around them, there's thousands of people, right? They're just watching them. And you know, a coach, Bud Wilkinson, Oklahoma football coach, once described a football game the following way. Thousands sit in the stands in desperate need of exercise, while 22 men on the football field are in desperate need of rest. Okay? And you know, that is a picture of the church. That's a picture of the church without discipleship. A church without discipleship is all about the pastor doing everything. Right? And if the pastor keeps doing everything and everybody else is seated and being entertained, what do you think will happen to the pastor? He will die. Right? And that's what's happening to the churches today. And that's the reason why Pastor Insong and I are so committed that we're telling you we're not getting paid here. We're doing this because we're doing this because we love God. And our purpose is for you to learn what we're doing so that you can do it yourself so that as we are many, we can influence and we will not die at the same time because we can divide the work. As I look at you, Tony, Pastor Tony, George, Pastor George, okay. now I'm just, I'm just 
I'm just prophesying. Okay? But what I'm saying is this. We bring this orientation to the church. We are so spectator-oriented. We are so, we are so uh, entertainment-oriented. And we bring that to the church. You know, watch people when they go to church. I, I don't like the praise and worship. Bye-bye. I was speaking. Oh, it's not Pastor Peter, it's Pastor Danny. Blah, never mind. <laughs> I mean, we are so entertainment oriented. Please me, please me. If you don't please me, I'm out of here. If that's the kind of mentality we have as churchgoers, believe me, the church will die. And in fact, it's dying today. And we need to change. We need to repent. We need to repent. We have carried that mindset to the church. Therefore, many people come to church to be entertained, to be ministered. And no, it's not your fault when many people are like that. It's not the fault of the people. It's the fault of the leaders. It's the fault of the pastor. I'm sorry, I've I've, got to say that. The pastor does not do the job of telling people who they're supposed to be so that they can become the kind of disciples that they're supposed to be. You know, I'm, I'm speaking from my heart because I'm not paid to do this. The reason why I'm speaking like this is because I was trained this way and I'm becoming like the kind of person that God wants me to be because somebody ahead of me found time to disciple me. And I would like to do the same to all of us here if you are part of this CCF fellowship. It's Pastor Insong's fault, actually. You know? He keeps on singing very good songs to entertain you. That's why you like it. Did you like the praise and worship this morning? Right? Can you imagine if it was me? It's his fault, right? Spectator Church is a church without discipleship. Did you get that? It's a church without discipleship. Has few professionals, but has lots and lots and lots of baby Christians who attend only if they are satisfied and are entertained. Forgive the grammar, okay? That's why as CCF, we are committed to discipleship. We are committed to discipleship. CCF's discipleship process and strategy, and this is what I'm excited about. In the coming months, in the coming weeks, we're going to launch and share with you our discipleship process and strategy. We are so blessed to have CCF Manila. So much resource that they have developed. And all we have to do is to bring it here and apply it to us so that we can become disciples, sheep, sheep disciples. It's called the Global Leadership Center. Pastor Desmond was here last week. You saw that. And he committed to send it to us. And we will go through this every step of the way so that you and I can become believers who are growing, who are discipling, and who are multiplying. And if that happens then our church will be different. Level one, seek, help seekers believe. Level two, grow, help new believers grow. Level three, equip the growing believers to disciple others. Level four, equip disciples to multiply um, other, to other leaders. And it will take, this is, believe me, it, it, this will take at least two years. But if you are faithful to be able to go through this, we will be kind of, become the kind of church that is not a spectator, but a kind of church that is 
um, making a difference in the world they're in. Consider now what will happen if all in the church are into discipleship. Just imagine. Imagine the person beside you, if you're into discipleship. Can you imagine what will happen? Imagine the whole of all of Los Angeles when all of the, the churches are into discipleship and are helping them become more and more Christ-like people. We will make a difference, right? We will have, we will have an impact. Last week, Pastor Insong and I attended you know, uh, the Global Leadership Conference of Bill Heibel. Bill Heibel is a, a vibrant church in Willow Creek in Chicago. And you know, we were there, and God spoke to us once more. He spoke about the importance of the local church. And you know what he said? He said, the local church is the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world. We are the hope of the world. The importance of the local church. The local church, the hope of the world. You know, I was struck by what he shared, and that that never left me. Bill Heibel, at the end of the conference, was sharing a story. He said he was at the airport in San Juan, Puerto Rico, on his way back to to Chicago, and he was seated at, by the pre-departure area, and then all of a sudden he heard fist fight, two kids, small kids fighting. It's like Enrique and Emilio, okay. You know, they were slugging each other. And, you know, there was blood because there was this, this, this guy, this little boy who overpowered the other one. And he started pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding the other guy. And there was blood all over. And then Bill Heibel saw and he said, he, he, together with the other men, they broke the fight. And he said, you know, he, you know, they started to separate them. And this guy was really like, really, really fighting and, and, and clawing and really wanted to hit the other the other boy back. The other boy was down at the floor, bloodied. And then he heard a voice on the PA system said, uh, Bill Heibel, uh, Bill Heibel, you're wanted. Your, your plane is leaving. Are you here? Please take, take your plane and go on board. And then he said, I, I'm Bill Heibel, okay? And, and, and I can't leave because, you know, somebody's got to take care of this boy. And if you promise me that you're going to take care of this boy, I, I'll take my flight. He said, don't worry, we'll, we'll take care. So, you know, long story short, he took the plane, and as he was on the plane, he was meditating. And he said, you know, what will be the life trajectory of that boy? He wanted to imagine the life trajectory of that boy. What will happen to that boy as he grows up? The boy who was punching and punching that guy with a lot of hate in him. And he figured, well, he's probably going to grow up as a delinquent, probably a criminal. Or a hoodlum. Right? He projected the life of that person. And he said, you know what? We can't accept that. We need to change the life trajectory of that boy into a better trajectory. And the only way that that trajectory can be changed if someone like us, who is part of a vibrant, healthy church, will intersect that trajectory and course it the other direction. Does that make sense to you? And that's why he said, the local church, the hope of the new world, of the world. But he just, he didn't stop there. He didn't say the church. He said the healthy church. And to me, the healthy church is none other than a church 
filled with disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. We're committed to make disciples of the Lord. That church. You see that church? We will start here. We will be the hope of this city, the hope of our family, the hope of possibly this nation. We can't do it on our own, but we just keep doing what we're doing, discipling one another. And we know that if we do that, we will be disciples, ship disciples. That's why CCF is all about discipleship. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, you've spoken. God, make us disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We will have a short dedication. Pastor Insong will uh, explain it. Um, and um, it will bless you.